coming to you from Tanglewood Studio. This is the Baseball 101 Go 6 Podcast. Welcome to the first edition, the pilot, episode zero of the Baseball 101 Go 6 Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is Scott Wasslegger. So thanks for being here on Episode Zero, the inaugural broadcast of the Baseball 101 Go 6 podcast. This is our first go at it, and we're going to have a couple of guests, and we're working on the production. So some of the production might seem um, loud in one area, a little soft in another area, and we're continuing to iron that out as each episode goes by. But hopefully the content will be enough to keep people coming back. The way we got the name for the podcast was that I wanted a name that would sort of cover all the bases, no pun intended, and Baseball 101 did that. We can talk about pretty much anything to do with baseball. We can talk about Major League Baseball. We can talk about college baseball. We can talk about recruiting. We can talk about Little League, softball, uh, development of players, lessons, And there's a lot of different guests that I have in mind to bring on for interviews that will cover all of those areas. So that was the Baseball 101 part. The Go 6 part is kind of a catchy phrase, but it reverts back to an old baseball coach I had that actually became a legendary high school coach in basketball. And he used to encourage us when we were hitting to go six and what he meant by that was zone up look for a pitch in a six inch box when you're ahead on the count and it was something that I always remember from my earliest days of playing baseball for him his name was Mike Walsh when I coached high school here my son Tyler played for us and I incorporated that philosophy with our hitters and Tyler reminded me of that and suggested that we add that name into the podcast And it actually represents being able to drill down in each of those subjects that we choose on a particular week and get a little bit more specific. So I think the Baseball 101 is the broad look at it, and the Go 6 allows us to drill down a little bit into the specific subjects with specific guests. So the idea from this podcast came from a few different places. I've always enjoyed the radio and Actually, back in the 80s, I was on the air at a small radio station for about six months and really enjoyed that. This past semester, I listened to my youngest son, Owen, on his radio show at school with his friend Tommy, and I really enjoyed that. And they talked about sports, and they played some music, and they had some interesting and fun banter back and forth. And uh, he also did some podcasts. So that got me interested. My older son, Tyler, has been listening to podcasts for a long time, and 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 often forwards me some of the podcasts he think I might be interested in. So And so I've listened to several podcasts myself and always thought that it would be something that we could do based on experiences that I've had and the people I've met along the way in my coaching and playing career. We could put out some information on a weekly basis that would be fun to communicate, but it would also be helpful to people. And on a weekly basis, we're going to try and do that. You can find this podcast on anchor.fm. If you do a search for the Go 6 podcast, it should pop right up. There should be a feature in there where you can leave us messages. And we will try to get the word out every week that we're going to put out a new episode. 
and have some fresh information and have a variety of things we talk about, including softball, including fitness and nutrition and mental training, uh, college baseball, have some conversations with regard to Major League Baseball. We're going to try to keep it as positive as we can. And again, get that information out there, make it a little bit different where people really enjoy listening to it. Because it's a podcast, it's basically an on-demand radio show, so you can listen to it in your car. If you're not done listening to it, you can resume listening to it when you get back in your car. You can listen to it pretty much anywhere, and um, that's the cool thing about podcasts. So the Go6 podcast on anchor.fm. One thing I want to incorporate into the Go6 podcast is a segment each week where we talk about something other than baseball and other than sports, even if it's for a short period of time. For example, on occasion, I might be recording the podcast from a different area other than home. I travel around a lot, so maybe we'll discuss the geography of the area, the history of the area, the culture of the area, and have a little fun that way with it. Another thing that I'd like to do each week, starting this week, is a, uh, in relation to music, a playlist song of the week. So at some point during the podcast, we'll talk about a song that is an absolute must-add to your playlist at the gym. Have a little fun with that. Coming up next, I'm super excited. We're going to have our first guests on the inaugural Episode zero of the Go Six podcast. My first guest is a baseball guy in the truest sense. Dennis Long has been providing individual pitching and baseball instruction for over 33 years while also coaching at the high school and college levels. He was a two sport athlete at the University of Connecticut. He pitched professionally in the Texas Rangers and Mets organizations. In the prestigious Cape Cod League, he was an all-star and Hall of Famer. Presently, Dennis is an owner, general manager, pitching coach of the Mystic Schooners of the New England Collegiate Baseball League, where he's regarded as one of the top pitching instruction instructors in the New England region. His background fits our podcast so well, so we're really glad to have him here on inaugural Go6 podcast. Coach, so happy to have you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate it, and I'm uh, honored to be the uh, first guest. Uh, pretty awesome, pretty awesome. So you and I spent so much time together for two summers, bus rides, batting practice, games, more time with each other yes. and with our families, and I didn't know about the two-sport thing at UConn. Tell me about that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, it was so long ago, it's hard to even remember that I did it myself. But, uh, yeah, I did. I played uh, – basketball and baseball at UConn and uh you know being a, a two-sport player at UConn was uh I think it's a little different now than it than it was back then um it's so specialized sports are so much more specialized at the collegiate level now uh it's probably harder to do it there are a few out there obviously but uh it was something that uh, I was lucky enough to do I, I loved playing basketball as a kid and uh, played well enough. Was I really a Division One player? Nah, probably not. But uh, I felt like I was a Division One baseball player. So uh, being up there to play baseball at UConn was my uh, my priority and my real dream. And having the chance to uh, play basketball and be part of that prestigious, historic, statewide known program, you know, was definitely a memory that I was able to make and create. And 
you know, the stories get better as you get older too. So uh, yes. it was fun. And completely uncommon. I mean, even nowadays we know there's very, it's very, very rare. So that's really something we're proud of really cool. And, and it was cool for me to find that out as I read more about you. I thought I knew everything about you. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, we know you're you've been you've been instructing and teaching for so long. You seem to have a good grasp of the business side of baseball instruction. I know that from just sitting with you and talking on those bus rides. Where does that come from, and why do you think it's important? Uh, I think I think it's probably a lot. Uh, the business side probably is from the fact that I was working in the business world a lot. When I first started this pitching lesson business, I was a businessman, a banker for a good 25 years. And, you know, I knew that uh, small businesses that would come to see me, for instance, at the bank, you can see the ups and downs and and the stresses that they are under. And I was slowly uh, dabbling with the pitching lessons back in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, somebody actually came to me, uh, an entrepreneur whose son I was working with, and said, you know, you could do this for a living. And I said, geez, I don't know. And, uh, you know, years go by, maybe 10 more years after that, to be honest. Uh, and uh, my kids were older, and I, I just kind of took the leap. I said, you know what, I, I've got enough uh, of a book of business here with the pitching lessons that I think I could at least break even um, or match what I was making uh, as a banker. And uh, so I took the leap about 10 years ago. So I think I, think I appreciated you know, the stresses right away. It still was a culture shock, not getting a, a steady paycheck uh, like I would have uh, in the business world. But uh, you learn to be your own boss. And I think the lessons I learned from helping other customers as a banker uh, kind of helped me on the on the pitching lesson business side, knowing that you have to schedule properly and you have to be responsive to uh, any potential clients and follow through so uh, on that end, I think I was able to to manage uh, to keep keep myself afloat, I guess, financially, and my family afloat financially for those first few years after taking that leap. But uh, uh, it wasn't without some stress, and you know, I think I, I had my resume out there a few times, like, ah, oh, shoot, I should get back into the business world. This is a little bit rough, and all my all my friends were saying, you know, of all of all the guys we grew up with, you're the one that's doing what he loves to do, and we're not going to let you, we're not going to let you get away from it. So uh, my friends, I, I think I can thank my friends for keeping me in this business. So, uh, and you learn as you go, you know, you learn, you learn as you go, you learn how to handle, how to handle parents and kids and coaches. Uh, it's always got, it has its ups and downs, but uh, I think it's been smoother now in the last five, six years, you know, whether it's experience, wisdom, I don't know what it is. Exactly. But uh, it's so enjoyable for me to do this. And literally, it does not feel like work. I know that's cliche, but it, it has never felt like work. And it really, more than ever, doesn't feel like work. I, I, I certainly enjoy what I do. Yeah, there's something certainly to be said for that. And uh, I was just talking to some a friend of mine this weekend who was sort of envious that, you know, I liked what I did do quite a bit on a daily basis as well. And um a lot of people don't get that opportunity, and that's really cool, and it's a good, it's a good story. I, I actually had a guy, I literally had a guy who worked on Wall Street, played in the big leagues for, had a cup of coffee in the big leagues, called me out of the blue maybe five, six, seven years ago, worked on Wall Street, wanted, had a little baseball lesson business in Manhattan, and he was asking me, hey, I really I want to do what you do. 
I said, boy, I would keep that Wall Street job for a while before you yeah. before you jump into it. You know, I, I said, I told him I had worked 25 years in business while doing lessons. And he thought it, you know, it looked great because I had established a, a pretty good uh, business. But I told him, I said, man, I, would, I wouldn't jump into it too soon. Uh, you know, make sure you're comfortable enough that when you do take the leap, you and your family, your wife or whomever would, uh, would, would make it, it would seem like it's very natural to do it. You know, don't force that because it's certainly a labor of love. Sure. And if you're, if you're putting all your eggs in one basket uh, too soon, it might stress you and your family out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so take me through your approach, a 12 year old and his, he or she's family come to you and you're going to do a lesson with them. What, what's your approach for, for like coaches out there? What's your approach for, for that first lesson? 12 year old comes in. To see well, that. yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I, I, I think the, the idea is you want them to make sure to leave that lesson feeling like they had a good time. I mean, at that age, you want them to enjoy the game. You want them to continue to play it. So uh, it's, it's very much uh, uh, playing and talking at the same time. You know, not a lot of standing still, playing catch, showing some basics of the grip and, you know, all the basic fundamentals. But I think all the while, it's just letting them know, like, you know, things happen in baseball. Like, I've given up more home runs than anybody you'll meet. That's what I kind of tell them. I've, I've been there. I've given up 10 runs in a game. I know what it's like to struggle. You know, it's 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 part of the game. And if I can convince the parents first that, look, I want him to be able to coach himself out there. If I can teach him a few things that will help him be a better pitcher where he doesn't have to feel like he's defeated out there in the middle of the game, he has something in his back pocket that he can go to, an adjustment or, or a different pitch or something or a grip change, if he can learn that stuff with me – you know, those are the little things. It's kind of getting in into the psyche of these young kids at an early age. And they're so uh, interested in having fun. And I try to make it fun. I try to give them little challenges and contests. But with each challenge and each contest, you want them to kind of learn how to fix it. You know, if, they, if they're thrown to a target and they're missing it, let's talk about why they're missing it. And hopefully it stays fun. Uh, and, and I invite, I always invite the parents to, to get in on the discussion. You know, I think that's critical. Quite frankly, a lot of the conversation, I hope the parents hear because, you know, let's, let's, let's keep the expectations real. Uh, they're kids. They're trying to, you know, figure out for themselves, you know, a lot of social things, a lot, a lot of issues at school. There's some, uh, there's peer pressures at that age. You know, they're, they're, they're about to hit this, this unbelievable uh, adolescent, part of their lives. And, you know, if I can at least let them feel confident that they are doing something good for themselves on the baseball field, hopefully that will at least carry over into other parts of their lives. So I think the parents uh, are, are a big part of these discussions too. In, in each of these young lessons, I, I try to keep an open dialogue with them. And, uh, and, and I also let them know that, look, I don't know all the answers, but I like trying to find out the answers with you. And uh, let's talk about it. If it doesn't work, we'll change something. And if you're doing something great, I'm not going to change it. And uh, hopefully that kind of, I don't want to say it disarms them right away, but uh, it does make it a pretty good beginning for, uh, for a young kid that I might meet for the first time. And, and, and for the parents, I, I, I quite candidly tell them, look, I'm probably going to say a lot of the same stuff that you told them. 
but it kind of validates both me and you. I mean, it it makes us both look better in the eyes of your of your son or daughter. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of it's kind of just like letting them know, look, it's it's not an exact science, but let's try to do this together and have some fun doing it. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, we're talking with Dennis Long. He's regarded as one of the top pitching instructors in the New England region. You can go to his website, pitchingeasy.com. Phenomenal website. You just redid it, I think, too, right? Yeah, I did. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's, some, there's some great information on there, but there's also some great videos to get an idea. If you just want to get an idea of what it's like to hear Dennis uh, instruct and, and talk, uh, you get a really good feel for that on the website. And uh, he's also on Twitter at, at pitchingeasy. So follow him on Twitter. Give him a follow there. Um, from an instructional standpoint, what would you say is the biggest difference teaching now, switching gears a little bit to a high school, uh, between teaching a high school player uh, in a lesson versus a younger little leaguer? Um, I think letting the high school player understand that, uh, you know, whenever whenever they have a, a lesson with me, you know, I, I believe in, in being positive. I mean, I, I think that's the only way to go when you're coaching, when you're, when you're instructing, you know, a positive outlook, but I'm also realistic saying, look, your coach is going to see this pitch. Let's say somebody's throwing two or three pitches wild high in a row. I was like, Hey, the reality is your coach may give you one more chance and then you're sitting and then you may be sitting for an extended period of time. I try to give the reality of what coaches may uh, uh, observe and may how they may react to your performance out there during a lesson. Uh, I always tell the parents for the high school kid, look, he's always going to throw a no hitter in my lesson. You know, we're always going to make it good. But the reality is, hey, your coach is going to say, hey, we need this guy out. You got if you walk this guy, you're out. I mean, coaches say that. You know that, Waz. You've seen it. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some coaches have the have the the quick hook, you know, and. Um, I've had more conversations with high school parents than any parent of any age level ever. And a lot of the discussions are the same. You know, they're, they're looking to, uh, they're looking for me to, 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 I don't, I don't want to say finding an excuse or give them a, a, an answer. And the real answer is it's, it's got to come from the athlete, you know, change has got to come from the athlete adjustments, the, uh, they have to come from within, and, and the best I can do is help give him enough weapons or enough uh, wisdom to make the adjustments, you know, overcome the adversity that a coach might put on you by sitting you down and just saying, look, there's nothing worse than not being ready when you do get that call. So if you're sitting the bench for a whole season, you still have to be ready. You still have to understand it. So I try to give a little more reality, I guess, than the little leaguers. The little leaguers, it's it's fun, and I try to let them know, like, you're doing the right thing. You know, failure or defeat at a little league level is uh, – it can be positive, very positive, because you, you're doing good things, and sometimes you see that good things don't always end up with good results on paper, on a, on a, on a record sheet. But – High school is like, eh, it's a little bit like, okay, you got to make a team or you're not going to make a team. You know, sometimes the pressure is pretty great. So um, I think a big conversation that I have with a lot of these kids that are trying to 
you know, it's that springtime. It, we're running into that time right now. It's, you know, tryouts. And uh, we we kind of talk about, you know, what is it like, you know, at tryouts? What are you going to be expecting? And some kids are really feeling the stress. Like, I don't know if I'm going to make the JV team. I don't know if I'm going to make the varsity team. So we try to talk about, you know, what can you do to the best of your ability, knowing you gave it your best effort and, you have to let the chips fall where they may. So we try to find out the right things that'll make that particular pitcher better. And you, sometimes, sometimes you have to just tell some of these kids, you may end up playing in college more than you'll play in high school. Some of these kids go to these great baseball programs. And you know, I had a kid years ago that was cut four years from a great high school program, ended up playing four years in college. And, uh, you know, those are realities. And I think, Parents really need to hear that one. And I say, look, if you're a high school kid and you have aspirations of being a college pitcher, think like a college pitcher starting right now. Work like a college pitcher. Put the time in like a college pitcher. Put the extra off-season work in like a college pitcher. And usually the high school stuff will take care of itself. It's not a guarantee, but it's a good approach to have, you know, that long-term versus short-term goals. You know, short-term can be stressful, but your long-term goal is still well within reach, whether you get – uh, cut or you get demoted to JV or you get on the you're on the bench all season you know the long term goal is still there for you so I try to keep that in their mind as much as I can. Yeah, and I I think what they're getting when they're coming to see you and I know this from this conversation but you know many conversations we've had in the past too are those things those things that are not just the technical um, skill level coaching and instruction, but the advice about what uh, tryouts are going to be like, what co- what coaches are thinking, because you've been a coach at, you know, every level. So I think they get the benefit, you know, in my opinion, they, they're getting a holistic approach to it. They're getting, you know, hey, here's what the coach is thinking. Here's how you throw uh, you're, you're, here's how you grip a baseball and keep your hands behind the baseball and, and make a good pitch. But here's what you got to be thinking in, in your mind. And, and um, you having been a coach, you know, can shed some light on that. So, uh, you know, I think that's what they're getting. And, and sometimes they don't get that, Dennis, from, you know, there's a lot of instructors out there who are getting kids to come for lessons because they played professional baseball. And, and that's, you know, about it. They may be right. good at it, but, the the draw is that hey this guy pitched or this guy played in the major leagues but you know has he coached before has he um, studied the mental side of the game can he advise you on a lot of those other things right and I think I think you for for me my thought was I I want to be good with the kids I want the kids to to relate to me. I want the parents to understand that it's important for their kids to be comfortable with me. It doesn't matter that I played, you know, years ago. I mean, the parents weren't even around when I played years ago. I mean, that's how long it's been. And, and, and what I, I just need them to know that I'm there to help their son or daughter in many cases. So um, it, it's, it's a holistic approach and I couldn't, you know, express it any more clearly than that. I try to cover everything and, you know, I think the thing that personally I'm most proud of is uh, hearing back from players that have gone through and some are continuing to play professionally, but a lot of them aren't. And, and I love it when they come back and say, you know, a lot of the stuff I learned, a lot of the lessons I learned, 
you know, made me a better football player, made me a better businessman, maybe a better, you know, a better baseball player. But those are the things, you know, that I, I think I, I enjoyed hearing more than anything. Um, it's great to have guys make it professionally, but it's also great to know that the kids have gone as far as they can and they have no ill feeling toward the game. I mean, I played baseball with guys that still are bitter about getting released 40 years ago. I still talk to a few guys. They're still talking about the day they got released from a ball. I go, well, isn't that a little statute of limitations on that or something, you know, and they've had a successful career. That's the funny thing. They've had a successful business career. They're still bitter and they feel like they shouldn't have gotten released. Yeah. It's crazy. But, uh, we don't want that. I don't want that to happen. I want people to enjoy their experience in baseball for as long as they can. And then when it's done, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. You can give back to the game, but you can just give back to, to people. You, know, you just give back, period. Sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely. So pivoting a little bit here and talking about the higher-level players now, and we know you're um, pretty much synonymous with the schooners. What, what, do you, what kind of enjoyment, where does your enjoyment come personally from the on the field coaching uh on the field is is talking just talking the game uh in the dugout talking with phil orby our manager who you and i worked with those two years and and phil still is there we you know i know i know we enjoyed uh those two seasons we had just talking the game talking strategy but also uh going out and chatting with the pitchers who might be in the game, not involved with the game that day, but just always keeping the pitchers tuned into different scenarios, you know, asking them, you know, what do you think about that? You know, be careful of this when you go out next time. Those are the things that, that I love about working with the college guys. And, uh, you know, if I've repeated something that they've heard, that's fine. But I would say more times than not, I'll give them a perspective that they probably have not heard. And uh, I can comfortably say that after nine years of doing that, uh, most of the time I'll give them a perspective they haven't heard. And I think most of them appreciate it. So uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. And, And just being around a bunch of guys who are really chasing their dream and, you know, not to sound... Uh, uh, gloom and doom on it, but a lot of these guys are like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for their careers, you know? Yeah. Some, you know, some some say, wow, I guess there are a lot of good guys in this league, and you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it any further, but other guys just refuse to give it up and just want to go, and they'll try anything they can, and I love talking to those guys. love talking to all of them, but um, you know, when we're together for those nine weeks, it's it's just real baseball. I, I tell the guys, I remember we had a post-game talk this summer, and I said, look, guys, you're about as far away from your college team and your college coaching staff in Mystic, Connecticut, than you are going to be. So you are here by yourself working on your game. You know, it's time to it's time to just be selfish a little bit, hold yourself accountable, work on it and go out of here knowing that you're going to be better for it. And, uh, you know, I just want them, I think there's like a two or three week period where they're still feeling their college, uh, pressure. I would say, you know, a lot of guys are just feeling the stress of, 
performing on that uh, stage of college. And, and it is such a great, great uh, environment, college baseball. But when you come to the summer leagues, you know, we're here to teach. We're here to watch great talent. But we're here to support these guys as much as we can. So you, there's almost like a two- or three-week deprogramming time for those guys before they really say, wow, you know, I need to work on something here. You know, what I was doing all spring, you know, it's not working. And, and you know, I, I think I have time to work on it. I go, yeah, this is it. Let's work on it now. And if it doesn't work, you're not going to be any worse off for it. So uh, I try to, we try to get that kind of daily conversation with all the guys, whether it's pitchers, hitters, whatever, but it's such a great experience. Um, you know, I love it. Uh, when I was first asked to come on board 10 years ago, you know, I, all I could think of was my experience as a, as a player in the Cape league. I said, boy, if I could pass that experience along to any college kids, you know, uh, I would be really happy. And it, it, it has been just that I've been so happy you know, being a part of this. So, um, you know, you experienced it. I we had such a great two years there. It was just pure baseball. And you know, if you like baseball, this is a league where you want to try to at least at least watch a game. If you can't be a part of the coaching, uh, come watch a game. You, you'll really enjoy it. Sure, absolutely. And and I think the Schooners uh, are. Uh, you know, the success of the Schooners uh, has been just fantastic um you know for the last several years it probably wasn't easy in the beginning but um between yourself and phil in particular um you know there's a lot of wins there and i know the college guys come this summer to work on their game to get better and it's not always about wins and losses but they certainly have more fun when they're winning than they're losing oh no doubt way more than those right no doubt and you know it's a byproduct you know it's 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 tough to build chemistry in nine weeks, but you can, you know, you can. And uh, I kind of used, you know, Phil and I kind of say, look, you, you can be, you know, you are here to work on your game, but you have to respect everybody else's ability to work on their own game. If you can respect everybody else for trying to get better and not get into anybody else's business, just be there to support each other trying to get better. I think you, I think you build good chemistry in a short, time frame so you know we've been lucky our record you know had gotten progressively better uh after year one uh, uh to about year eight we grew every year i think we flattened out a little the last two years but we still had winning seasons um and and i think i think there's something to that just you know number one phil and i being around quite a bit uh you know knowing we're not going anywhere is probably a factor college coaches know that we're not a couple of guys that are looking to use this as a stepping stone. Like they know what to expect. They know what their players, how they're going to be treated. So there's some positives there. And I think it, it does uh, uh, foster uh, coaches sending maybe their top end guys, uh, not always, but, but their top, top end guys that they really want to develop to us, which we're, we're proud and, and, you know, pleased to, to do. So, uh, it's grown and it's taken time, but uh, it's certainly been enjoyable all the way through. So uh, that's the best of both worlds. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the NECBL is is a great league. It's, you know, many rank it second behind the Cape Cod League overall. And uh, having been in the league myself and spent time there, um, it's an amazing league and, and a lot of great players. And 
you know, like you said, there many are chasing the dream, and if they if they come to the reality that they're not going to get there, uh, it's certainly a great place to be, especially in Mystic, because like you said, the the continuity, the consistency um, that's been there, it's just a great experience. And and you know, from a coaching standpoint, I love it. So I can imagine, you know, every kid who comes through. I know that they're having great experiences there. So um, you guys are doing a good job with that. And uh, um, it's it's really something that summer ball in general is something that, you know, anybody who has an opportunity to, to play should try to get to play somewhere. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for that. And, you know, now they're talking about uh, maybe moving the major league draft to August. There's discussion about that now. So, all of a sudden, that changes the the landscape of summer baseball. So now you maybe get some of these potential, you know, top five round guys that want to show off their their talents for a full summer before a draft in August. So yeah. I mean, it's gonna be it'll be very interesting to see what the dynamics going to be moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you have a master's degree in sports psychology. How, I how do. important would you say the mental? side of the game is and and could you put a percentage on on how much of the game is mental oh i would say uh yeah it's more than 50 you know i i I would say in this age of uh, rap soto and and, you know uh track man and all these different uh uh technology uh driven uh analyses you know it's it's still about makeup, you know, about, about overcoming adversity and, you know, uh, learning how to, uh, coach yourself out there. Um, there is an element, I mean, I think, I think physical conditioning has been a big, big, uh, part of the game, uh, in the last, certainly last 10 years, probably more, but, but it's, it's still going to be how you, as an athlete, can handle manage yourself mentally, and uh, that'll get you through, you know, and help enhance all of your physical tools and physical skills. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's 90%. I'm not going to say it's 80, but it, it's definitely more than half. You know, it's uh, it's it's about makeup. Let's put it this way. I mean, that's a it, it makeup is a big factor in the guys we select for the schooners. We want to know how they compete. You know, we want them to be quality individuals you want them to be able to represent our team for sure uh, you know these people stay with the host families like most summer leagues but but i think if you have a quality individual who has good makeup and uh has uh, uh the ability to uh listen and uh, uh overcome you know overcome adversity and negativity uh, it's hard to find, but we really try to cross-check that with coaches and maybe some scouts uh, before we select a kid. Uh, so, yes, it's more than half. Makeup is big. And, you know, uh, you can teach makeup. You can teach better approach. You can teach the mental game to players. Uh, you know, simple conversations that don't look uh, very – uh, meaningful are probably the more meaningful conversations that you can have with a player could be on a bus ride, could be sitting in the bullpen during batting practice. You know, some of those, some of those moments are the ones that help with the mental side. Um, uh, there are stories, you know, I could, I can almost think of a couple of stories for each season with different kids. And, uh, 
it, it's you can teach you can teach them to have better mental skills and uh, uh, you know the physical skills always going to be important but that mental the mental skills are are not uh, they're not taught with a with a set routine a set program they could be out of nowhere you know you could always teach them and uh, as simple as a conversation as simple as a pat on the back simple as a little uh, a little encouragement from the dugout but you have to dem- I think you demonstrate mental approach as much as teach it as a coach you can demonstrate it and I think your actions can teach the game the mental part of the game and I, I, that's what I try to do and I try to uh, have coaches talk to me about that I said you have to demonstrate it you know the, it, it trickles down to the players if you demonstrate if you demonstrate a strong mental approach to the game so yeah it's it's important and uh, uh, I think when I when I did my studying for this master's it kind of uh, validated stuff that I learned from my dad from some great coaches that I had played for but it also gave me a little perspective on some of the realities of what young kids go through and the stresses at home, stresses at school. So, um, you know, I think you have to kind of tiptoe through it. Each player is different, and uh, but they all can be taught. They all can be taught. Some will, some will absorb better than others, but they can all be taught. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Um, so part of the – you know, with with the podcast, we're trying to cover all the bases. We're trying to talk to coaches sometimes, talk to parents, talk to players. Um, a lot of the things we talked about so far, we covered with regard to coaching and instructing. Just a couple for a couple quick ones here with regard to players and parents, especially younger younger ones. A twelve year old again, as I mentioned before, pretty talented and has some promise. Also seems to really love the game. Let's say. How do you recommend that family proceeds? How involved should a parent be? Uh, I think I, I, they need to be they need to be involved to the extent that they support, and that they also have to be involved to the extent that they trust their coaches. You know, whether it's me or their team coach or their uh, uh, travel ball coach. Um, and if there's if there's a, a an element of trust that's lacking, then there has has to be some hard discussions, you know, civil, you know, no no arguments, but hard discussions uh, with uh, the coach and with uh, the whatever organization that is, because these kids are so young and so impressionable that they need to be guided through these next you know the next five years are going to be so critical for them. So um, I, I think it's important to uh, keep the lines of communication open, um, and and there's no question that's uh, out of bounds in my mind with that age group. You know, they, they some of these parents know a little bit about the game, some don't know anything about the game, but when it comes to you know somebody who knows about the game but has a son that they're you know, they love so much and want the best for sometimes their, their perspective gets blurred. So they even need to be talked to more than you think. Um, I think conversation is the important piece. Just, just be willing to talk. I think it's got to be civil. Um, understanding that there's a, a fit for every boy. Um, and, 
you know, whether it's a, an elite, quote-unquote elite travel team or just a local Little League team, if you are talented enough as you get older, I try to instill in these kids, if you're talented enough, colleges will find you, pro scouts will find you. You know, it, it, talent in this day and age can be found very easily. There's no more or very few of those hidden hidden talents you find in the in the prairies of Kansas or something like that. You know, it's it's uh, if you're good, people will find out about you. So um, I think it's important for the, the, the child to be comfortable from that age 12 to 16 in the experience they've had. And, you know, and, and just going back to the schooners conversations over the years, you know, I've had a lot of them that, you know, they frankly said that it was the worst part of my life. Baseball life was playing for this particular team, whether it was a travel ball or whatever, but they had a bad experience and, you know, that probably could have been avoided uh, with some, with some conversation between parents and coaches and, and the player probably. So conversation's key. Um, uh, trust, uh, trust in conversation is key. Yeah, I feel, I agree with you. And I feel like communication is, is so paramount. Uh, I, you know, nowadays parents really, they get a bad rap. I, I feel like most parents are actually pretty good. You know, I've given lessons and coach a lot of kids and, Yep. Really, most parents are pretty good, and I, I think there's a few out there that, you know, um, make it make it worse for the others. But the key is always communication, you know. And um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the communication is is big, and uh, when parents are communicating with coaches and their and their sons or daughters, it seems to flow a little smoother that way. And, no doubt. But, no. Yep. But um, so we could talk for I could talk to you forever because this podcast is is, you know, I'm trying to have a broad uh, scope of the things we cover. And you've touched you've touched so many of those areas and hopefully we'll be able to have you on again. Um, But I really appreciate your time. This is going to be great. This is the inaugural um, podcast. It's episode zero and we're going to publish in a couple of days. So. Um, I'm really glad and honored you could be on with me and um, appreciate all your time. Again, anybody listening, it's pitchingeasy.com is the website. Please visit it. At Pitching Easy is the Twitter handle. And, my friend, it's great to talk to you. Wise, I can't thank you enough. I'm honored, and I wish you the best of luck with this. If I can help in any way down the road, I am here for you anytime. Thanks. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Super excited to have a couple of guests on our inaugural episode of the Go Six podcast. Joining us now from Emmitsburg, Maryland, and Mount St. Mary's University is Owen Wasleger, who has put together a pretty good career for himself. As a high school freshman, he won a conference championship, and by his senior year, he was an all-conference and all-state player. His college career has taken him from American International College, a Division II school in Springfield, Massachusetts, to Community College of Rhode Island, a JUCO in Rhode Island, to now Mount St. Mary's University, where we're speaking with him right now. Hey, O. Thanks for joining us on the Baseball 101 Go 6 podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, so my first question for you is how are things going baseball-wise this year so far? 
good. Things are going well, getting in the full swing of things. We've been outside scrimmaging, you know, four or five times since we've gotten back from winter break, working on some things inside when we can't get outside. Uh, I think we're I think we're prepared. I think we're more mentally prepared than we were last year. So uh, we're looking forward to it and getting ready to host St. Bonaventure on the 20th. That sounds good. Um, so the Baseball 101 Go 6 podcast was sort of inspired by listening to you and your buddy Tommy Esposito on your radio show in the fall and the first semester, which you had on every Wednesday night. And you guys talked about sports and you mixed in some music and there was some funny banter back and forth, thought it was really cool. And then you mentioned that you were getting into some podcasting with some other buddies as well. So that was kind of like the inspiration for me to get involved in this. And I just wanted to uh, ask you, what, what, what did you like about the podcasting part of it? So I like I liked the podcasting aside from the radio because you can talk about whatever you want, whenever you want. Nobody can tell you what you can't or really can't do on there. And I think podcasting is also interesting because you can bring on whoever you want, just like you are doing on this anchor app here. Um, you can call in. I call in my buddy Cam. He comes on the radio. He comes on the podcast. Um, and a lot of it's it's emerging uh, more popular than radio. I think these days now a lot of people are podcasting. It's getting to be really popular, and you know some people are uh, living off that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's something that people can listen to in the car on demand when they want to. And from a podcasting standpoint, on our end. I think you can kind of do it the way you want to do it and try to reach the audience that you want to reach. So um, thanks for the inspiration. Thanks to Zito for the inspiration. And hopefully this thing will get going and I'll have a lot of fun with it and uh, we'll have you on again. What would you say is a difference between being a college athlete, again, like at the Division One level and high school, for example, uh, I know that uh, high school guys play multiple sp- – many guys play multiple sports. So the sport that they are maybe playing in college now becomes a little bit more of a commitment. Explain that to me. Yeah, so like you said, in high school, people play multiple sports. They're active, and they do things for each sport. I think when you get to college and you really minimize it down to one sport, like everyone here at the Mount, you really got to focus on your body, um, get good sleep, eat, eat good food. I mean – and you got to we work out work out to maintain stuff for baseball season and specific workouts towards baseball and i think specific workouts to keep your body ready for what you got to go through in 50 games in the spring and i think we've talked about this before i think sleep is the most important thing goes along with time management you know we work out at 7am monday wednesday friday condition 7am tuesday thursday i think that whole the sleep technique is something that's very important and will help you become a better athlete the um high school athlete that thinks he or she might be pretty good uh, and want to play at the collegiate level, whether it's division three, division two, division one, what would you say to them as far as their um, ability to reach their goals and, and actually do that? Because you've, you know, you've been through a lot. You, you went through, you know, like, like I mentioned, you start out the division two level, went to JUCO, ended up at Division One. It's really what you wanted. Um, you you were, seemed like the type of guy who was dedicated to that and understood what it would take. I don't know if everybody understands what, what it takes, the commitment that it takes, but what would you say to the high school uh, player, male or female, that thinks they that's really what they want to do? So three things come to mind right away. Um, you got to love what you're doing. you got to love the game that you play. 
You got to be passionate about it. You got to love it. And you got to go to work every single day. If you love the game, you'll do that. You'll work harder. Um, along with that, what I just mentioned, you got to work harder. Work harder than anyone that you played with. Always can outwork someone. You can get better every single day. Get better at different things. And the third one is um, be undeniable. Undeniable, where someone tells you um, they can't tell you you can't do something. You know, get yourself in that starting lineup. You have to be undeniable, so they can't tell you, oh, we have another player that's better than you, or, or you know, this person's going to play over you today. Make that undeniable where you're in the lineup every single day and you're playing, doing this, playing the sport you love all the time. Great approach. That sounds great, and I, and it's not surprising you you gotten to where you are because of that. Um, last question for you, and we'll let you go because we know you're gonna you're working on that sleep and you're working on getting ready for the season. What's your approach personally this season as you get ready for um, your your senior year here? So my my biggest um, goal, I think, right now, um, to be the best team we can be is try to be the best teammate I can be. Senior season, been through, been through a lot already. Had a pretty good year last year. Had a pretty good summer. I know I'm going to have a good year this year. That's, that's not the question here. Um, I want to be the best teammate. I want to be the best teammate in the country that I can be um, and do anything to help my team get to the Northeast Conference Tournament. Um, be the best teammate for the freshmen looking up to me. If someone's playing over me one day, be the best teammate for them um, and just be a role model for other guys on the team. Hey, the point of this podcast is to provide some really useful information for people. We want to make it different than just regurgitating information that people have already gotten. You've given us some great information. Um, of course, I'm your dad, but we'll be following you, and hopefully people listening to this podcast will be following you this season at Mount St. Mary's University in the NEC. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Good luck. Uh, I know this podcast will do well. I appreciate it. See ya. See ya. So that was Owen Wasliger senior outfielder for Mount St. Mary's University. want to also thank our previous guest, Dennis Long, the pitching coach for the Mystic Schooners in the NECBL. Some great information out of both of those guys, and hopefully that gives you a taste of what we're going to try to do on this Go 6 podcast. Get some real good information, ask some good questions, so listeners want to subscribe, listen, rate, and come back each week and hear more. So all in all, thought that was a pretty good first episode. We'll continue to work on some of the production with regard to sound and the interviews, some of the transitions going from segment to segment. But again, thought the inaugural episode, episode zero, went pretty well, especially compared to other podcasts that I've listened to. We'll continue to get better and won't stop working at it ever because we'll want it to continue to sound good and provide some good information for people subscribing, listening, and rating the podcast. You can find the Go6 podcast on anchor.fm. You can also find it on the Anchor app by doing a search for Go6. On the app, when you get to our podcast, you'll see a message center, and you can call us and leave us a message, which we can actually play on the air if there's something interesting that somebody wants to talk about or comment on the podcast. The final segment of the day, I had mentioned it earlier, is going to be the playlist song of the day. I mentioned for listening at the gym, but really for listening anywhere. This song I came across when I was watching a Division I girls basketball game. It was the hype video just before the girls got introduced for the game. A lot of good lyrics, very motivating, intense. It is Cold-Blooded by Zade Wolf. 
We'll leave you with that, and we'll talk to you next week.